Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Astronomy Podcast. I'm your host, Astronomy Guru, and today's topic is the life cycle of a star, part one. Today, we're going to talk about sunlight stars. But before we go any further, I will just quickly answer a couple of questions from our subscribers. This one's by Keisha Heflin. Her question is, is the Big Bang Theory only a theory? How can it ever be proven? Thanks for your question. It is the most difficult thing to say if we will ever prove this theory correct. We may and we may not. Here's why. Point one. We haven't acquired enough data till now to negate all other hypotheses completely. This is primarily due to our lack of exploration techniques and the early stage in which our civilization is. We don't know if the process of expansion is going to stop or reverse or continue. We haven't given enough time to this. It's like looking at a bunch of monkeys for an hour and writing the theory of evolution based on that observation. Point two, if by chance we discover that there are more than one universe, also known as multiverse, the whole theory will get crippled and we will have to adopt a new one. The earliest of such theories is however present in mythology, as discussed by Carl Sagan in the Cosmos series. This again is still to be supported by strong evidence. So, because of lack of evidence, the Big Bang Theory and the Multiverse Theory hold equal merit, but due to our inability to look into finer details yet, we support the Big Bang Theory. This doesn't mean that this couldn't change tomorrow or in the coming days or years or decades. We just need more telescopes and more people to do science. Here's another question from her. Astronomy Guru, what I don't understand is why we believe the Earth was created by the Big Bang, yet have very little evidence to support this theory. I'm confused because I believe most stars and planets were created from some form of cosmic dust. My problem comes out when I attempt to understand how life came about. It is also difficult for me to believe we are the only universe. In my opinion, multiverses do exist due to the fact that if life can be created in one place, why not another? One day, we may even find out. I await that day. Well, Keisha, first we need to understand what happened after the universe came into being in detail. And today's episode is just about that. So let's begin. In the last episode, we discussed how the universe came from almost absolutely nowhere, cooled down quite a bit, and here we are today, observing the same stuff that made us. All across our galaxy, the Milky Way, we have giant clouds of atoms. These are called giant molecular clouds 
and they contain trillions of hydrogen atoms. Due to gravity, which is one of the fundamental forces in the universe, these atoms punch together. As they come closer to each other, the atoms form various bunches and the biggest of them forms an axial point for the rest of the smaller bunches to move about. This creates a cosmic ballet and the billions and billions of atoms in these bunches orchestrate a series of high-speed collisions. What a sight is that to view? The space between individual atoms keeps on reducing. It gets really crowded inside and the atoms start pushing each other. This leads to temperature rise and as the push of gravity is relentless, the atoms keep on getting in tighter spaces. Although it may sound very fast, it is a really, really slow process and takes millions of years to complete. When the right amount of matter clumps together, temperatures soar up to 15 million degrees centigrade and the hydrogen atoms start fusing together to form a new, heavier element called helium. This also releases a small amount of energy which multiplies as several of these reactions take place every moment. The process is called nuclear fusion. This marks the birth of a star. A newborn star is called a protostar. Some stars fail to form due to lack of hydrogen and are called brown dwarfs. Planet Jupiter is one of them. Imagine two suns in the solar system. Astronomers observe various molecular clouds in various stages and when there is enough data, they feed it into a supercomputer to see how the particles react with each other. This way we discover a lot of new objects in space. We shall talk more about telescopes and how they find stars and planets in the coming episodes. Anyway, it is also not possible to detect a star visually as light has to escape through very tight spaces and the first ray of light takes more than a million years to escape to the surface due to the high density of the protostar. The life of a star will depend upon how much matter it's able to collect in its early ages. Bigger stars die out faster as gravity makes the pressure in the core higher and fuel burns faster just like in a car. Smaller stars take more time to burn their fuel and live for longer duration. Our star, the Sun, lies somewhere in the middle and has a total lifespan of about 10 billion years. It has already spent half of it. Inside the core of a star, the helium forms an inert ball. To fuse helium into a heavier element, more pressure is required. The star has to wait for this critical mass to be achieved. Initially, the star fluctuates in size due to the struggle between the gravity and the huge amounts of energy that tries to push its way outside the star. 
This in turn gives the star a spherical shape and eventually it reaches a state of equilibrium. The star remains this way for almost all its life. Here, the star is known to be in main sequence. Progressively, the star begins to go low on hydrogen fuel. The fusion reaction starts moving in the outer layers of the star forming a cocoon around the inert helium core. The star has now started moving toward its death, slowly. At the same time, due to the immense compression in the core, the helium atoms release a great deal of energy due to friction. However, they still can't fuse into anything heavier because there's just not enough mass. It will require them more time for that mass to collect. The fusion reaction moves outwards and the star swells up because of the difference in outward pressure and the force of gravity. Well, you must be wondering how this happens. Imagine yourself at the bottom of a swimming pool. If you notice carefully, the pressure is very high when you're at the bottom. However, when you are suspended somewhere in the middle, the pressure reduces and is almost null when you surface up. The force you feel is due to the water around you. It's due to gravity. The fusion layer of the star also goes under a similar condition. The only difference is that up to a particular point, the fusion will continue and the star will keep on radiating energy outwards, making the outer layers less stable due to the lack of mass and the star ends up swelling. This stage is called the red giant stage and when the sun reaches here, it will end up eating the first four planets due to its huge growth in size. If you know about the Orion constellation, the one with the belt, it has a huge red giant star called Betelgeuse, which when placed where the sun is, will reach up to Jupiter. Sun will never be this big enough, ever. So, once the red giant reaches its maximum size, the outer layers start fizzling out and form a huge ring-like structure around the core of the star. This is called a planetary nebula, not because it has planets inside it, but because it looks like a ghostly, hollow planet. At least, that's what William Herschel thought when he discovered the first one. The nebula glows due to the radiation from the leftover core and disappears into space as layers loosen their grip. What gets left behind is a highly concentrated core. This is called a white dwarf star and as due to gravity, it gets smaller and smaller. Sun-like stars start fusing helium into carbon. This will continue to go on for millions of years till the time the star cools down and due to lack of critical mass cannot fuse any further. The carbon may turn into a planet-sized diamond or a graphite ball. Who knows? But imagine a diamond the size of a planet like Earth.
We're going to talk more about stars and introduce you to the concept of black holes and neutron stars in the next episode. If you have any questions, comments or feedback, you can write to me directly at astronomyguru@live.com or drop in a question on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram or Pinterest. My account name is Astronomy Guru. I'm looking forward to hear from all of you. Do like, share and subscribe. You're listening to the Astronomy podcast. Take care.